The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Well, I just want to carry on today, and probably this is going to be the last of these messages, looking at this situation where Jesus was saying to his disciples, it's good that I go. John 16 verse 7 Jesus actually said, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And Jesus also said in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, again to his disciples, when he was eating with them, it says, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. So where we are right now, as it were, is listening to those things. We're in that place of Jesus having said that. He's returned to heaven. The disciples are here on earth. They're talking amongst each other. What's going to happen? When's the gift going to come? Is it today? No, it doesn't seem to have been today. And so they're praying. They're meeting together. They're talking. They're discussing. They're waiting for this promised gift. Lots of things are going on in the mind, as they do You know what it's like. You process things, don't you? You hear news, even like we've heard news this weekend. You don't just say, all right, okay. No, 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 you take it on board. Whoa, you process it. The disciples were like that. They're processing. Jesus has said he's going, well, he's gone. He said a gift is coming. When's that coming? What's it going to look like? When? What? Why? They're in a period of time which literally is a testing of their faith. You know, what do we mean by testing faith? It's like, okay, nothing seems to be going on that we were hoping was going to go on, but we're still waiting for it to happen. That's a testing of faith. You're standing there and you're waiting for what God has said he's promised him to do, but it doesn't seem to have happened yet. And, and so there is a sense, during this time of waiting, there's, there's a little bit of, hello, <laughs> have you forgotten me? God, I'm still here. You said, you promised What's going on? So there's that sense of waiting, this testing of faith that is happening right now. And that's how the disciples are are feeling. But the disciples show that they're standing firm because of what they're doing. They're keeping focused and they're praying. So they haven't lost, oh, okay, you don't care, God. No, no, they're saying, God, hey, look, we're still here. We're focusing on you. We're talking to you. We're reminding you that we're here. We're getting ourselves involved in relationship with you. And that's exactly what they were doing. But you know what? In Jerusalem, around them, and don't forget they're in Jerusalem, hey, things were hotting up. Why? Because it's festival time. You know, there are three festivals which are called pilgrimage festivals in the Old Testament. And these were introduced as part of the standard of life. They're called pilgrimage festivals because they're festivals where people come together. There's some festivals you have at home, you know, with your family. But these festivals, you come together. It's a bit like Easter and Christmas. Those are sort of like high points for the church from the point of view, lots of people who don't usually go to church. Christmas, hey, we're going to come to church. There's a sense of pilgrimage. You come together because it's a big festival. And for the Jewish people, they were coming together. There's three festivals, as I've mentioned. There's Pentecost, there's the Feast of Weeks, and there's the Feast of Tabernacles. These are three coming together festivals. And so what was going on in Jerusalem is, as we're approaching the Feast of Weeks, people are coming in. 
from far and wide. Now, as it happens, the festival of weeks is called that because, and let me read to you from Deuteronomy 16, verses 9 to 11, count off seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the standing grain. Notice how this is referenced into their everyday life. Guys, do you remember when you first started harvesting this, this early season of your wheat and your, on, your, on those sort of crops? Well, count off seven weeks from that time. And then celebrate the festival of weeks to the Lord your God by giving a free will offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you. And rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. And of course, now the temple being established in Jerusalem, this was the place that God has said, okay, that's where my name is, so come together. So everybody was coming to Jerusalem. They're coming, they've just finished their harvest time. They've counted off seven times seven, 49, the next day, 50. So it's 50 days since Pentecost. For many, it was 50 days since they were last in Jerusalem because some had come for Pentecost. But because Pentecost is earlier, and this is now later in the year, it's warmer, it's easier to travel, the weather is calmer. So now, this is the big festival. Loads of people were coming in. And I'm not just talking about, oh, they came from just around the corner. These are people coming off from far away places. They've traveled a few days, maybe even a week to get there. They've come in for this festival. So Jerusalem, you can imagine all of those street traders. Hey, we don't just have sort of market street traders now. I know it wasn't fish and chips necessarily they were serving or burgers, but there's street vendors. They're serving food. It's alive. The place is alive with people because they've come to this big religious festival. And in this exciting time, why? Because you see, they've just bought in the grain. It's, not, it's like payday. This is a payday holiday. They've got the grain in. They've seen all the blessing that God has given them. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Hey, we're going to give you an offering because we see how good you have been. So it's a festival of reminding people of the goodness of God, of the provision of God, of the kindness of God, how he is their provider, and they've come together to celebrate. So you can imagine, this is a fun day. It's a busy time. And the disciples must have been thinking like, oh gosh, it's busy. Hey, look, we're still waiting for this gift. What are we going to do? How do we organize this day? Well, we get to this day, and it says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost... Now, I mentioned Pentecost is 50 days from the day of uh, Passover. 50 days from Passover. And in Greek, and just to, to test my Greek, Pentecoste, for those Greek scholars amongst you, that means 50th. So that, of course, is where we get this phrase, the day of Pentecost. It's 50 days from the, uh, the previous Passover. So here they are. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now, it's not exactly sure exactly what was that place. Was that the upper room? Where were they meeting? But they probably decided to meet together early on that day just because, it, do you know what? It's going to be a busy day in Jerusalem today. And we still want to meet together because we still want to seek God because we're waiting. You see, they were focused. Focused, but also they're aware of the fact of what's going on. And perhaps they want to join in some of those celebrations as well. So you know what it's like? You're trying to organize your day. Hey, guys, let's get together early so that we can actually pray together. And so that's what we read about. So here, Acts chapter 2, verse 2 to 4, suddenly 
in this room where they're all meeting together, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. Now, as I say, Luke, the writer of Acts, he doesn't say where they were. He just says that they were in one place. And, of course, there's speculation. Were they in the upper room where they'd been meeting before? Were they in some area around the temple courts? Uh, You know, where? Well, we don't know where. What we do know is that what happened was causing people around them also to say, hey, what's going on in this place? And, you know, maybe because, as I say, because it's this festival day, they think, like, it's going to be busy. Let's meet early. Hey, I know we could meet somewhere near the temple. Let's gather in that place. So they've come together, and it's... Now, I know I'm speculating, but it sort of makes sense to me to think, like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it's going to be busy, so let's get together. Let's pray here. At least we can pray, and we can feel like we're really connecting with God before there's too much distraction going on around us. So that's how I think it was. I think they were near the temple area. And I think they were there, and they've been praying. Suddenly, there's this sound of this rushing wind. Now, don't forget, when they met there to pray, wherever it was, when they met there to pray, they had known it was, this is 10 days since Jesus had actually departed. And don't forget, we always think of morning as being the beginning of the day. For the Jews, it it began the previous night. It's from sundown is when the day starts. So they'd already entered into the 10th day. So it's always, remember, like, okay, it's it's the 10th day since Jesus went. Still nothing. Still nothing. So you've got to remember, that's the context that we're in. We're in this place. We're praying together. We're not seeing anything happen yet. But then this happens, and suddenly there's the sound of wind. And we all know what that's like, because many times I've, I've lain in bed, and you've heard the wind. In fact, I think it was only last week we had that sort of storm. And you're hearing the wind, and you're hearing, all, in our case, we're hearing all the tiles rattle on the roof and things like that. And you think, oh, yeah, it's windy outside. So you hear the wind, and you know those sort of evenings. This was one of those experiences. They heard this wind. Suddenly, they see these tongues of fire. Now, I wonder what they thought at that point. Do you think they suddenly thought, this is the gift? Or do you think they thought, hey, what's God doing now? I I don't know. You see, we read ourselves into it. We're reading the end of the story back into this to say, oh, of course they would have understood what's going on. I don't think they would have understood what's going on. It's just that they were there and this happens. Suddenly something's happening to them. And it's like, what's going on here? What we know is that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. They were expectant, but they didn't know what they were going to receive. And I think that's an interesting thing. You know, we can be expectant. You're waiting for God to answer something. But actually, you know what? Often we've no idea what that's going to be like. And there's no shame in that. All we need to trust is that when God does his work, he will help us to know that he's doing his work. One of the things I think we do is we really try to work things out and have it all sorted so that we can understand from before it happens. 
We don't like too many surprises. We, don't like, we like to know what's going on, so we're in control. The whole object of this is that we're not in control. The whole object of this is that God is in control and we are allowing him to use us. That's a different way of looking at things. And so here, the disciples, they weren't in control. They were coming together. They were praying. But they're seeing like, God, please, will you come and will you move? And he is moving and he's doing all sorts of things amongst us. You remember when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about the fact of the Holy Spirit? John 3 verse 8, he said to Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't explain where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. That's what he said to Nicodemus, and that's really what was being experienced here. You see, they, they could feel something, they could hear something, but they didn't understand it all. We like to understand everything. When I understand it, then I'll receive it. No, it doesn't work like that. We have to start recognizing, okay, we are not the ones calling the shots. God calls the shots. We're the ones who say, okay, Lord, I'm going to be open to you. I'm going to allow you to come and operate in my life. What it tells us, the Holy Spirit, we can't see him, but we can feel him. We can experience him. We know when he's been here. And isn't that true in a church service? Now, I wish every week was the same, but there are some weeks when you go home from the service and you say, he was here this morning. Why? Because my heart has been touched. I just, I almost can't explain it, but I know that I know that I've experienced the presence of God. There are those times. That doesn't necessarily happen every week. But you do know when it happens. That is the evidence of the Holy Spirit, you see. So how do you put that into words to other people? This is when it can be confusing. But on this particular day, the disciples themselves didn't have to put anything into words. They were just being used because the Holy Spirit was operating on them. And now they had the ability to be speaking with other languages. And that was the working of the Holy Spirit. They had received this baptism in the Spirit Whether they realized that this was the gift from God at that moment or not, they certainly realized that something was happening. But what was going on is that now they were just speaking out the wonders of God in all different languages. And it was causing some disturbance. Acts 2 verses 9 to 11, it says, here we are. And it gives a whole list of people's names, of different areas they've come from. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. That's why there was a disturbance. Because people are saying, hang on, I, you know, it's like, I'm from Rome, they're speaking my language. I'm from here, they're speaking my language. How come we're all hearing and they're all speaking about one thing? They're speaking about the wonders of God. So what were they saying? Were they just praising God? Were they announcing the things of God? But people were saying, now don't forget, people have come to Jerusalem for a religious experience. They've come for the festival. They've come for the celebrations, but they've come to give thanks to God. They've come to make connection with God. They've come for a spiritual reason. 
And so there would be an awakening amongst, there's an expectation, but suddenly they're hearing about the wonders of God from this group of people, and it's all coming from different languages. This isn't how it's usually done. And yet we're hearing wonderful things. So people were drawn. It's hardly surprising that a large crowd gathered around and trying to find out, hey, what's going on? Wonder what's happening. Sometimes, you know, we try to organize things perhaps too much. We've got to recognize right here, the one thing the disciples didn't do, they didn't organize this. They hadn't said like, gosh, it's been 10 days. Jesus has told us we've got to go and be witnesses. You know, like, what is that supposed to look like? When should we do it? <sighs> festival day. Somebody, festival day. Would that be a good day to start? They've got no idea. They're not working things out. They're focused on the fact that you have promised and you will fulfill your promise. And here they are in the temple and God is doing his work. Sometimes we're making, I think, too many plans and we're saying, God, these are our plans. Will you fit into them? Now, God is gracious and he does come. And when we commit our way to him, he comes into it. But I think often we need to realize what we need to do is we need to say, God, what are your plans so that I can fit into them? So that I might be available for what you are seeking to do. So here they are, they're talking away in different languages. People are naturally asking what's going on. And of course, just as some are saying, hey, what's going on? Some are also just scoffing at, well, oh, they're just drunk. Don't worry about them. Ignore them. We've got a festival to belong to. But Peter, he's there, he's one of them, and he wants to explain what's going on. Because he understands what is happening. And he wants to give a more accurate description. So he starts addressing the gathering crowd. And he says to them, no, no, these men are not drunk, as some of you are saying. It's too early in the morning for that. No, no, no. This is what the prophet Joel has spoken about. Do you remember? And he probably quoted to them. In the last days, the prophet Joel said, God will pour out his spirit on all people. That's what he said he will do. And this is what is happening. And Peter then carries on and he starts to talk to the people. Acts 2, verses 22 to 24. People of Israel, listen, he says. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen. And his pre-arranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles. You nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. And he goes on in verse 36. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. He's declaring, don't forget those words, Messiah, bite into the hearts of the people because the Messiah is the anointed one from heaven, the one who God said he would send who has come to be their help and their savior. Verse 37 says, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. And if you read in Acts chapter 2 through to the end, you will see that it says about 3,000, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. About 3,000. The day started with them still seeking for the promise of God to be fulfilled. The day now was like you've got 3,000 people who are saying, like, we want to join with you. We need to be baptized. So the day, actually, the disciples had one thing in mind. By the end of the day, they're probably baptizing people, like, okay, here's another one, here's another one. They're baptizing them, and they say, well, where are we going to start? What are we going to teach them? They're moving into a whole new realm of things because God has come, and he has done his work, and he is working amongst his people. He has baptized them in the Holy Spirit. Now, I think for us, you know, we think of the baptism in the Holy Spirit as being like, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you received this? And I think it's important for us to receive this gift. Not just important. No, no, no. This gift is for all people. For all people. So we want to receive it because it helps us in our spiritual lives. But sometimes we think like, okay, it's a, I've received that. Maybe I can speak in tongues, tick box, finished. I think we've lost it completely. This whole experience is about, am I prepared to allow God to do what he wants to do in my life? Because when he does what he wants to do, he gives me the power and the ability to do his work. I need him to be able to do anything. I need him. The fact that God comes and releases people to be able to pray in different languages, and he still does that. These days, often, it tends to be a language of heaven rather than a language of earth. So it's not like people get, oh, somebody can speak in Spanish and they didn't speak in Spanish before, or they can speak Italian and they couldn't speak, or they can speak Russian and they couldn't speak before, although those things can still happen. But God gives the ability for people to be able to speak in the tongues of men and angels, and you can have a prayer language given to you so that you might be able to communicate directly with God in heaven and make connection with that place where the only information that is really of value can come from because we need to be able to see him. You know what it says? It says of Jesus that he saw, he only did the things he saw his father doing. What does that mean? Now, I know I'm going off track here slightly, but it means that he was able to see into the spiritual realm to understand the things that God was wanting to do so that he could then, okay, God, this is what you want to do. Now, he can see those things coming to pass on the earth and he can be involved in those things. Listen, folks, if we want to be in that same place, then it means we've got to draw near to this God and we've got to open our lives up and say, Lord, please, will you allow me to see the things that you are working on so that I myself may be involved in those things. Look, I haven't got enough time to, I'd like to talk more about this, but I want to ask a few questions. Have you, have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because of what we've been talking about, about losing our dear sister, but there's some joy in losing our sister, is that is that she was a born again, baptized baptized in the Holy Spirit, believer of Jesus Christ. She has gone to be with her Savior. There's sadness, but there's joy for her. She has reached the fulfillment of her faith. She's gone to be 
in heaven with Jesus, to be with him forever. If we have not received Jesus, we can't even get to that place because we're lost in our trespasses and sins. And the first thing I want to say is just like Peter was preaching on that day and many people, it says, were cut to the heart. They're cut to the heart because you need to repent of your sin and get right with God. You repent of your sin by saying, Lord, this is what I've done. This is who I am. I confess it to you. I'm hiding nothing. We bring ourselves before God. Then we get ourselves baptized because we're saying, listen, I'm going to follow in the same way of Jesus. I'm baptized in water. But when we're baptized in water, we've received Jesus into our lives. In fact, this can happen all at the same time, or it can even happen in slightly. You don't have to be baptized in water not to be able to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you do need to be able to believe in Jesus and to repent of your sins. Because then the gift of this Holy Spirit is available for you. And hear me when I say this. This gift of the Holy Spirit is not for special A grade or B plus grade or C plus plus grade Christians. The gift of the Holy Spirit is available for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Who has given their lives to Him. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God's empowerment for you here upon the earth. Don't forget, Jesus said, it is good that I go away. Because when I go away, I am one man and I'm dealing at one situation at a time. But when I go, I will ask the Father who will send the Holy Spirit to all believers all across the world for all time. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you today and all time. And we can receive that gift. By simply saying, Father, send your Spirit upon me. Let your Holy Spirit come. Let your Holy Spirit lead me. There are so many things, Lord, that I do not understand. I have questions that have been burning on my heart that I want to ask of you. But I'm asking you now, Father, lead me by your Holy Spirit. Teach me your ways. Incline my heart to your decrees. Release me with the gifts that you have from heaven so that I may accomplish your work. But hear my cry, Father, that I may be filled with this gift and that I too, like your disciples, may just be witnesses of you wherever I go. Amen. That's what we're looking for. And you know what? Some people would say like, hey, I prayed that. And nothing seems to have happened. But I want to take you back to the disciples and what Jesus said to to them. He said, listen, I'm going and I'm going to send a gift for you. You need to wait. And you know what? If you don't feel, I don't feel as though I've received that. I can't speak in tongues. I'm the one left out. There's things that God wants to do. Sometimes we think our hearts are perfect, but God knows how imperfect our hearts are. And he wants to get some stuff sorted out. What we need to do is we seek him until he comes and rains righteousness upon us. He overlooks no person. He teaches and trains and leads each person in the way that they must go so that he can do his work. If we're still living our lives our way, then that's not the calling that's been put upon us. 
The calling of Christians is to lay our lives down just as Jesus laid his life down, that we may live life his way. There's a surrender. There's an adjustment. There's a coming to terms that we have to go through. But as we go through that and we show ourselves, he wants to give us the gift of his spirit. So I want to encourage you. Call to him. Ask of him that he may send his Holy Spirit and let his anointing come upon you afresh today. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.